Hi and welcome back to the Everton Fans Forum podcast. It's me, Dave Witchley, and this is the second part of episode one. Uh, we decided to do it in this particular format as a means of introduction, uh, so you can get to know more via the interviews, what's going on behind the scenes. The format will change as we move on to episode two, uh, but for today, we have three more interviews with the other project leads. Um, you heard from a few on the last episode. Uh, and we also have a special guest on today who is Players Life President Graham Shaw. Obviously, a lot of people remember Sharpie from being a legend on the pitch for Everton Football Club. But we will talk to Sharpie about what he done when he hung his boots up. Uh, so from being manager at Oldham to his role as the supporter liaison officer at Everton. He actually chaired Everton Fan Forum meetings and is now assuming his new role of Players Life President. So he'll be talking us through what that involves. Um, so without further ado, we'll pass you over to Jazz, who was speaking to Anne-Marie, who is the Events Focus Group Lead. So over to you two. Um, so hi, Anne-Marie. I hope you're keeping well. Um, can you just give us a short introduction about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. So I'm Anne-Marie Flynn. Um, I've been an Evertonian my entire life. I courtesy of my lovely um, who took me for the first time when I was seven. Um, and I just remember how excited he was about it. I have to confess that he also took me, along with my other brothers and sisters, um, to Anfield and gave us a choice about whether we wanted to be a red or a blue. Um but it was obvious what the right choice was, obviously. obviously. Yeah, right. Was that based on the result or was that just because it's uh, born a blue and he preferred blue over red? Born a blue, obviously. Yeah, right answer, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, I've been a season ticket holder off and on um, since I was 20, but my, my latest run is since 90, since 2007. So I've had it for 13 years this time around. Um, sit in the paddock, absolutely love where I am. I'm uh, about nine rows up from the corner flag, so you see all the action. Um, and I absolutely love it. Perfect. Um, so you're now um, the event lead for the events group. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about the group? Yeah, sure. So really the aim of the group is for us to bring Evertonians together um, in a social setting. It's an opportunity for us to raise some money for um, Everton in the community. Um, so that, that's kind of what the group is is all about. Um, cool. Um, so can you tell me um, which of the fans for the members are, are also in the events? So we've got uh, seven members, including myself. Uh, we've got got two Marie's on the fans forum and she brings some expertise because she runs her own business she's got some uh, real experience of putting on this type of event we've got Dawn who's one of our newer members um, and will bring some exciting new ideas I'm sure um, Joe, who is an international member and again one of our new, newer members um, who's got loads of experience putting on events over in Ireland um, and raising money both for Everton and the community and other charitable institutions we've got Nick um, who's got real experience of putting on events for the Fans Forum um, going back on a number of uh, occasions. We've got Rob, who's also a photographer, so we've got our, our own ready-made photographer on, on hand. And we've got Steve, who um, 
has got lots of experience raising money because he's done events following the birth of his grandchildren who were born premature. Uh, he raises money for them and he, um, he's got a ukulele band that he, uh, he uses for that purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying to see this band, you know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing good things and apparently they've done a couple of um, weddings as well. So, Go on. Um, who knows, maybe a future fans forum event with the... Um... Because I think Paul does it as well, doesn't he? So with it with the ukulele guys. Yeah, yeah. I think Phoebe Waller Bridge has made the ukulele cool again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've got our own ready ready fund. It is. It's got to be, got to be done. Um, so in terms of the group itself, then how long have you been running it? Uh, so only since the end of November, um, we refreshed the group when we took the new intake into the fans forum in February. Um, so our new members, Dawn and Joe, joined us at that point. Cool. And um, have you um, have you done any events yet, or have you got any in the pipeline? So we had um, a, a, an event all prepared and ready to go, a comedy event, um, and we also have um, a uh, a list of things that we intended to do around Easter with an Easter egg hunt for the kids and stuff. But unfortunately, the lockdown's kind of taken over. Um, um, so what we're focusing on at the moment is potentially looking at a return to Everton event with a number of other um, football um, fans associations and fan groups um, and looking at maybe what, what that would look like. Um, it's going to be further away than we thought, obviously, as this lockdown extends. Um, but that's something we're putting some focus into at the moment. Well, definitely. I think that's... Um... But we'll wait and see what happens with the Premier League. Obviously, no decisions have been announced yet, but I think that the sooner we can all get back when it is safe to do so, and that the, I think it's just going to absolutely. I think you know we've got some medical advice from FIFA now telling us um, what their views are, and leagues around the world are, are taking decisions. So one would hope that some leads will be taken there too. Yeah, as you say, as long as it's safe to do so, everyone's keen to get back. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, in terms of club contacts, who, who do you normally link in with when you're, when you're doing um, this groundwork on the events? So, Rachel's our main contact um, and she gives us really good support with things like logistics, so stuff like if we're looking for um, a venue for an event, she'll make the initial contact with the um, event managers and, and things of that nature, check that the dates are available those sorts of things um, and she'll also feed in with the Everton and the community team for us to find out who our contact will be if it's an event specific to uh, raising funds for Everton and the community. We also engage with uh, Christine in the fan engagement team who uh, again is is really supportive. Um, they, they tend to be our main contacts within the club in terms of all, us organising stuff. Rachel facilitates uh, for us around things like venues for meetings and stuff like that as well. Perfect. Um, and is there, is there anything else that you, you'd like to tell us about the events group? Um, so I suppose um, in the past we focused on things like quiz nights and, and, and evening with former players or other club dignitaries and they go down really well. The Fans Forum's got a real track record on that sort of stuff um, and are really, really good at it. Um, and they'll definitely form part of the events moving forward. But we're also probably looking to broaden it out a little bit, um, you know, the scope of the events programme. So diversity of the fan base a little bit more. Um, 
for instance, with events specific for kids or for older people linked to the Blue Base, those sorts of things is what we're looking at, a whole programme of events linked to that. Yeah, that's brilliant to see sort of heading in that direction because certainly with the kids, a lot of the um, a lot of the events that sort of I've been to in the past are ex-players who the kids potentially wouldn't even know. So it's, uh, it's nice to see that there is a bit of a focus on sort of out of the, the sort of the mainstream attendees for these kinds of events. Yeah, and my nephew's here with me during lockdown. He's uh, in his early 30s. And even he says, you know, the, the uh, matches we've been... Uh, absolutely loving during lockdown the uh that the clubs put on for us but even he's saying can you show something more recent and he's in his 30s so i think i think we definitely need to be focusing a little bit more on the kids from our perspective yeah definitely it's a, it's a sense of realism spitting as well isn't it we're going to go back expecting ourselves to win every match now definitely. fantastic well Amory thanks for taking the time to, to make this sort of recording you're welcome um, they'll, they'll be on the podcast not soon so um, yeah thanks again for your time good to talk to you Jeff come on you blues well thanks for that uh, Amory you know it's enjoyable to hear all the work that's going on behind the scenes uh, I certainly didn't know before to join the forum uh, that all of this kind of things uh, were going on really Um uh, and, you know, it's great to see uh, the fundraising, you know, the events that are going on. And the fact that you're directly linking into an event in the community. As someone who sits in the paddock myself as well, um, I have to make sure I say hello next time. Hopefully uh, we're back at Goodison Park. Um, and we'll now go over uh, to hear from Jazz interviewing Lisa, who's in charge of the retail focus group. Hi, Lisa. Um, thank you for giving us a little bit of time to, to do this recording. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, my name's Lisa Vaughan. Um, I have been a season ticket holder for 35 years. I currently sit in the Upper Gladys Street with my family. I've been there for quite a while now. Um, I first started going to the match, I think it was 1980. My dad took me to a cup match. Loved the atmosphere, loved all the songs, and I think for I think I was eight years old at the time. It was it was the sense of belonging for me. I came home and I was absolutely hooked. Married the life out of my dad, who's a scouser, um, to get me a season ticket. Um, I go to obviously all the home matches, and I go to some away matches with my dad and my sister. Um, and then we're hoping, my sister's got uh, a little boy, we've got my five-year-old nephew, who we're hoping to get a season ticket as soon as things are safe to. Cool. You just um, just dropped out quickly then, so you said um, as soon as it's safe to? Yeah, we're just, hope, we're just hoping to to get my nephew a season ticket as long as, you know, he's, he's down on the waiting list and as long as, you know, this situation means that it's safe, you know, we can uh, carry on with things. That's perfect. Cool. Um, so what made you decide to get involved with the fans forum? Um, well, I've been a member since January 2015. Um, I applied and then I was re-elected um, in 2018. I actually, our family bought one of the granites behind Dixie. And when we went to the unveiling of the granites, I saw that there was a group of people there. I'd never heard of the fans forum. Um, I looked into it on the website and my family were kind of saying, you should do that. You'd be good at doing something like that. Um, so I applied for the primary reason um, is that I'm a, 
a primary school teacher in Liverpool. And my passion at the time was to get access for younger children to our club. Um, because I was aware that football is is massive to children in Liverpool. Um, and obviously, I had a passion as an Evertonian to spread the love of the blue side rather than the red. Um, and that that's that's why I applied initially. Um, and then one of the thing, one of the main things I've been involved in in my earlier time in the fans forum um, was that I've sort of supported the fan engagement team in setting up school supporters clubs, of which um, I run the one at our school. And that enables um, the schools involved. You you have access to match tickets for children who would never normally um, have the financial means or the or the you know the, the ability to go to the game. So we get the match tickets. We produce uh, resource packs for the schools. So there's resources and activities available for the children. We've had uh, visits off the under 23s at our school. We've had the Everton women team at the school. Um, we've had some of our children have gone down to Finch Farm and done um, an advert with Jordan Pickford for Cartoon Network, um, giving the children access initially to Finch Farm and obviously then to a player. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a life remembering moment for those children. Yeah, of course, this is brilliant. Yeah, and we've 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 been involved in other things. You know, we've I've taken um, the school football team involved in the Angry Birds Cup on May Day, and they actually got to play on the pitch. So again, that's that's another you know for, for local children. Some of them had never been inside the stadium, and they there they are running out to Z cars. Um, oh, brilliant. Even even ones who were reds, I have to say, they kind of kept it quiet because they thought they were never going to be allowed to play if uh, people knew <laughs> they supported them. And we've had messages off the players as well at school, you know, YouTube messages. And overall, it's just a, a link bringing children um, and our club together. So that that was my uh, one of my initial, you know, passions of being involved in the fans forum. Oh, well, definitely, because obviously the, the kids are today and our future, yeah. aren't they? So uh, anything that can uh, build that. Absolutely, and certainly the age group of children that I work with, um, the key stage two, seven to 11s, they're, they're the ones who you can really influence. And once they make the decision about eight or nine, if you want to support, I think they very rarely switch allegiance. So they're the ones we target. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you're also, um, as, as well as being um, one of the vice chairs, you're also... Um, the project lead for the retail yeah. group. Um, can you just tell me um, who else is involved with that? Yeah, um, well, we've got uh, myself um, and both Anne-Marie's are involved in that. Um, yourself, obviously, Jazz. Uh, we've got Nick. We've got Paul, who's our resident man cave expert. <laughs> to, had to get that in there. And we've got our newer members, uh, Tony, Dawn and David, who I'm, I'm really looking forward to their involvement because obviously it brings a new perspective um, to the team. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's been a, a bit difficult to have the sort of the, the, the face-to-face yeah. meetings with the club yeah, at the moment. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that, uh, well, do you know what, when it's, when it's safe to do so, we'll, we'll yeah, get definitely. them going back yeah. again. Um, have, the, have you had any sort of um, retail-related successes then? Um, while you've been in charge of it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the group the group has been set up about twelve months really, um, since about February two thousand and nineteen. 
Retail has always been on the monthly agenda my whole time on the forum. There are always um, niggly things cropping up all the time. And then it came about that we said, look, you know, come on, let's let's set up a retail group. Because um, as I say, we have ongoing agenda items. We, we react to support or feedback. Um, I think from a personal point of view, the, the range of, of women's clothing just wasn't... It wasn't what we wanted. Um, the the range of children's clothing and the cost, the overall cost of things, um, range, quality, and price are things that pop up um, all the time. Um, and and I think really for, for me the main success is that we we've, we've got the group set up. We've got contacts in the club through Rachel um, from Fan Engagement, our supporting liaison officer. And also with with Nick, who works in the club, who's in the retail and marketing team. And the main success for me is I do actually feel that we're listened to. Um, Nick is honest when we go to him and we say we're not happy with the with some of the range of the clothing, um, the quality of some of them. I think our most common um, comment on or way that we're contacted is people saying they're not happy, whether it's children's socks of bobbled and fallen to pieces or just the quality of, of the kits really of, of some years have not really been what we expected um, and we you know we wanted as a club and he put his hands up and he said yeah I, I, I agree with you so I think when you when you're working with someone who's being open and honest about it you feel listened to then you feel you can push on you feel you can push on with things like that um, I think we've, we've set up a, a a, a series of secret shopping so you know members will go in at various times in both shops obviously that can't happen at the moment with the with the shops being closed um but we we give feedback on our retail experience and and it's quite candid feedback and they're wanting to know about you know the cleanliness of the shops and mainly about the customer service it's not just about the range of products on sale they're wanting to know um about their staff as well and if it's something which we really don't score very well. Um, it's it's acted upon straight away. It's not it's not feedback that we just take to you know our three month uh, our meetings that are every three months. We send it directly through to the club, um, and it's acted upon straight away. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's um, it, it is nice, and, and, and by showing willing and being honest, open, and transparent. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely a benchmark. Yeah, I, I just feel there's no point in having these project groups and having members of staff from the club involved if you don't feel as if you're making a difference. Um, and it may for us be slow progress with 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 retail sometimes uh, because obviously there's lots of channels to go through. But we'll pl we'll plug away at it. Um, I know you know we've tried to get some higher end products um available on the website we've we've even noticed kind of yourself as well and i've noticed kind of errors with the website you know things being um advertised incorrectly or links don't work or there was an issue when i at christmas with the click and collect and and that was put on hold and we were just very honest with our feedback and there are things straight away that can be that can be acted upon and i think that's that's great when they are acted upon and you feel as if yeah you know things have been corrected yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, you, you, you mentioned a couple of the, the themes before. Um, if, if you had any messages to tell the fans to um, to sort of make any resolve any of these issues um, any easier, 
Um, what, what, would, what would they be? I think, I think the first one um, is if you've made the purchase yourself, is always keep your receipts. If, if you have that proof of purchase, um, then any errors um, or manufacturing issues, we can, we can rectify them pretty much straight away. Um, and Everton Direct, you know, if, if you're on Twitter, it's tagging in Everton Direct in um, your messages. And they're pretty good at sending you direct messages and, and trying to, you know, sort through the issues. But obviously, you know, we're aware that sometimes people get things purchased for them and they don't have they don't have that proof of purchase. Um, but I think in those instances, if, if they get in touch with Everton Direct or they get in touch with us, um, then we can we can try and support them and try to rectify the issue. Perfect. Um, and um, is, is there anything that you've got in the pipeline for the future going forward with the group? Um, I think obviously once we can get things up and running, I think um, we're wanting to just make sure the shops and the website, it's not just about kits. We're wanting other things in there that people can purchase as well. Evertonians are brilliant at purchasing things so we want a range of things to be available we want to try and get local designers um involved you know people who there are people out there designing uh t-shirts and, and and other wear that they know the fan base and people you know supporters will buy it and we've said to the club get those people involved and um, you know it, it makes financial sense get the clothes out there that people will wear we're hoping to obviously when whoever of the kit manufacturer is revealed we're hoping to uh, visit that manufacturer just so you know we get our face known there and and get it known that we want that relationship uh with the kit manufacturer we've got to get the overseas market um sorted obviously i know from the international survey that's happening at the moment retail is coming out as a key area uh, i know for myself from going on holiday in florida um we found two stores, one in the Florida Mall, one in Disney Springs, where they sold Everton kits. And we said to the club, it's it, it's not good enough. We, we, we need to get ourselves, from a retail point of view, we need to get ourselves out there. We need to make it, we've got to be easy to buy from. And that includes the overseas market. Uh, and then obviously much more in the in the future. We're wanting to, you know, sit down with the club and think about Bramley Moor and what, you know, what retail is going to be available there because we want to get it right. We want to get retail right at Van Moor. Especially lots of black Yeah, as well. absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Um, Lisa, I think that's, that's pretty much covered all the, all the areas that I want to chat to you about. Have you got anything else to say? No, I mean, it was just really to mention as well that we, we mentioned in our uh, meeting, our monthly meeting, our most recent one, that we did bring up the point about uh, financial hardship and was there any potential of keeping this season's kits? Um, and obviously they said that due to the current contract they're tied into, you know, they are tied down to three kits a year. So unfortunately that's not an option for this year, but, you know, we just wanted people to know that we, we did ask the question. Perfect. I um, just want to thank you for giving up a bit of your Saturday there to, to not Mr. Gordon. Um, hopefully it'll be on um, part two of the podcast coming up. Thanks very much. Nice to speak to you. Thanks very much for that, Lisa. And it's clear how committed you are as a blue. Um, it obviously runs in your veins right through the family. Uh, and there's a lot of passion that you spoke about and it's refreshing to hear. Um, and, it, you know, it's a pleasure to be on, on the fans forum uh, with you, Lisa, and, 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 you know, everyone that is on it. Um, 
I agree, you know, the local designers are smashing it at the moment in the fan base. And, you know, the retail should be looking towards them lads, if they can, to try and work alongside them. And in terms of the international stuff, we've you know, we've, we've got to get it more available. We've got to get our stores out there. Uh, we've got to get the brands out there and improve it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's obviously we've got some focus, some direction, and hopefully um, we, we will get that going forward, uh, like you have already clearly in the last 12 months, um, setting up processes and relationships. Now over to um, Nick, who is uh, in charge of the comms focus group, and Jazz, who will be speaking to Nick. Good afternoon, Nick. Hope you keep them well. Um, Nick is the one of the vice chairs and also the lead for the um, for the communications um, project group. Um, so, Nick, if I can just ask you to see yourself. Sorry, just but um, yeah, yeah. My my name is Nick Maynock. Um, people will may have seen me. I was I was fortunate enough to be chair for three years of the forum before um, standing down and allowing some new ideas and things to move forward. And as such. Um, an Everton season ticket holder um, since the late 60s, which probably gives a little bit of my age away. So uh, I'm now picked up the reference uh, as, as the lead for comms for the last uh, 12 months or so. Uh, and, and I'm beginning to have a look a little bit into how we revamp the way that we, we, we communicate with fans groups, how we, we, we ensure that people get the information they require uh, and, and how we can sort of bring our communication strategy uh up, up to speed and, and, and to, to meet the requirements of our fan base. Perfect. So is there, um, how many members of the forum are, are in the comms group? There is eight of us at the moment. So it's, it's, it's quite a wide range, quite a, a diversity of knowledge and ideas, which I think is always going to be something that will fuel um, a, a good debate uh, and an exchange of information, I think, and as such ensures that, that, that we hopefully cover the majority of the bases that we need to as we begin to revamp the way that we, we, we communicate um, both with the football club and with our fan base. Cool. Okay, cheers for that, Nick. Um, you alluded to having a comm strategy. Can you tell me what this involves? Yes. Um, I mean, the strategy is, is currently being constructed by the group um, so that they have complete ownership of the direction in which we move. Uh, it, it's founded on, on, on basically a, a need to completely improve the way that our communications is, is, is working. I think we're very lucky uh, as, as a football club that our fans are, are knowledgeable and understand and have a perception of a way the football club should be run. Um, and on that basis, their, their desire for information needs to be fueled and supported not only by the football club by ourselves so that is formulating the way that our strategy has to be constructed to ensure that we go about our business as a forum and interact with the football club in relation to its own communications so that we ensure that that desire and requirement for information is is met by both parties and our supporters receive the the information that they feel that that's appropriate to them now that's not saying we can tell them everything all the time there are there are numerous questions as there's, there's so much at the moment around what's going to happen to the premier league and the arguments around behind closed doors and all those other things that are ongoing and and, and we have to understand that, that there's delicate information and delicate negotiations that are ongoing but at the same time we have to ensure that what fans are able to be informed they're informed for me that has two levels one 
the transparency of the football club and the fans forum in itself. But but secondary, the, the, the ability to ensure that people can make informed decisions and aren't led by some of the numerous and, and quite bizarre connotations that are often levelled within social media. So I think our, our, our transformation as a comms group has to take those elements, has to have that basic awareness and then drive a number of options around how we deliver that. And my hope is, is as chairing a number of people around this group, we can begin to build on those strategies to find the best way to do those. True. Um, so obviously this podcast is, is one of them as well. So hopefully hopefully that's another step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the podcast, um, as I think as I alluded to at the outset, I'm probably one of the older members of the forum. So uh, I, I am guided by some people who are far more interactive in this particular level. <laughs> But what it can do is at a, at a time when, you know, it, it, it's just extreme times at the moment of the way that we're all operating differently within lockdowns, etc. The podcast can at least begin to get some information out there. It gives us an opportunity for, for people to understand what we're about. Uh, and as we hopefully develop the podcast into specific areas uh, and begin to use uh, staff from the football club and, and have those conversations it's one avenue whereby we can make ourselves accessible that people can hear that information and then contact us directly if they have questions so yes the podcast at the moment is is geared at informing people and maybe laying a few myths around how the forum operates it'll then build on working on issues we've, we've got a kit release coming on soon there's been numerous questions around that we can begin to cover areas like that Obviously, whatever the shakedown around dates of seasons and the way that operates, there, there will be numerous areas in which we hope that we can relate with club staff and ourselves and, and make the podcast quite informative. But at the same time, as I alluded to before, it's around having transparency of message and, and ensuring that we get that out there. So we need to review how we interact with all the supporters clubs, how we, we get information out when hopefully the lockdown's removed and we can begin to have some more interactive conversations. And then also building up other areas in, in that fans may have noticed, we, we, we just put out a, an international survey. You know, we're lucky now in the forum has, has representation from, from a number of different areas. Um, and I'm patently aware of over the years there's been sort of criticism around the club's ability to utilise its contacts with Tim Howard, Cahill, Pinar, though in those international areas. And I think we as a forum also need to make sure that we begin to interact with our international fan base as well uh, as accepting the ones that we already have within the, the vicinity of the attendees at Goodison and those are associated with that. So there are a number of platforms and levels that, that we need to do. So I think, as I say, without standing like a stuck record, the, the, the comms group is, is, is on a journey of transformation rather than something that is founded already in, in the correct way of operating. Excellent. Um, and is there any sort of club personalities you normally, um, normally tell you? Yeah, about? I mean, obviously, um, Mo Magrazzi has been really helpful to us. Mo's got a lot of experience. Um, we've done a little bit of work with Mo uh, around the new ground system, but, but Mo is going to step on board and help us a little bit. Obviously, Scott McLeod has helped in there and Andrea as well, who we've we've worked with and done a few pieces with Andrea as well in relation to some of the comms side. So I think there's, 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 there's buy-in that the club wants its own. Um, communications to be interactive and, 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 and people have seen that with num some of the numbers sort of pieces of documentation and, and short films and things that have done. We will need to link into that so that 
as a forum, we want to be able to be timely in what we get the information out to our fan base. But at the same time, I have to be slightly respectful that the club also has its own timescales. But that synergy has to be developed. And by having members of the club on board, then it, it will make it a, a lot more successful, in my opinion, as we move forward. Cool. Cheers for that, Nick. No problem. Appreciate that. Is there anything else you want to chat about the side? Like? No, I, I just think he sort of we, we, we are and will as, as we move forward be, be looking for ideas for people to, to, to sort of give us links in. I don't think you know there is so much that engages our fans in, in from you know stories, successful stories, family stories, through to the events that go on and off the pitch. And I think we just want people as we develop to to become as interactive with us as possible. Because we, we then can can judge if we're doing it the right way, if the things we're missing, uh, and, and we can open it up. So it, it would just really, from a comms perspective, to say, look, you know, understand that we are trying to get it right. We we need to sort of help and guidance from everybody to do that within the same field. We're not always going to be able to give every bit of information exactly when people require it because of private sort of areas within the football club etc but our idea is to try and get this as transparent as possible and, and done with the support of uh, our, our fan base and, and that's the state the intent and direction we try and go in great that's great so i'm um, great sort of summary there of the comms group um, really appreciate you taking the time to, no problem. to record this um cool and then um, please stay safe we will do take soon. care jazz cheers bye-bye a big thanks to nick um Comms is something I'm involved in as a new member of the forum uh, and a new member of the focus group. And I think Nick's hit the nail on the head. Ultimately, the fans are our constituency uh, and we need to make sure that you know their voices are heard directly to the club. Um, and that's our primary role. And anyway, we can improve, modernise, revamp its importance. And you know, Nick has been open to that um, from the second I met him. Um, and as a big advocate myself for continuous improvement, we can always do better. We can always improve. Uh, it's good to see it's moving uh, forward at the race and not in the right direction just by us speaking on this podcast today. Um, so on that note, we're now going over to uh, Jazz, who is speaking directly to Graham Sharp, club legend Sharpie. Over to you two. So good morning, Graham. Um, many thanks for taking the time to make this recording. Um, I trust you keeping well and staying safe. Yes, I am. It's difficult times, but you know the most important thing, as you quite rightly said, the jazz was uh, stay safe, and that's what everybody has to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so for this chat, I'd, I'd like to focus really on um, sort of your your life after hanging up your boots. Yeah. Um, so, um, sort of start at the beginning, I suppose. So, um, you, you sort of stepped into management in a player management role, and then dedicated manager. Um, mm-hmm. Was that was that something that you always envisaged? Well, I think in those days it was a natural progression. You'd been in football for, for that long. And then, as you quite rightly said, what do you do next? So the opportunity came to me when I'd moved to Oldham and, and Joe Royal was a manager who signed me and Joe obviously left to, to come back to Everton. Uh, so the job became available. Uh, and I thought, well, I might as well throw my hat in the ring. You know, I had experience in terms of, of playing at the top level. You know, let's see, this is the, the, the next natural step. Obviously, no experience whatsoever. Yeah. So it was imperative that I would bring somebody in who, who knew the ropes. And that's why, you know, I appointed Colin Harvey to come in and join me. Yeah. 
And did um, did the sort of the management role um, relate to the? How did it relate to the perception you had of management? Well, before? yeah, Judge, I think it was. I think it was difficult. Don't get me wrong. When I first took over, I was player manager, uh, and I was just coming to the end of my career, where you know I started having back problems. Uh, you know, and I was I was like say training in the morning and sitting in an office in the afternoon. And by the time four o'clock came to leave, I could hardly walk. Yeah. Uh, so slowly but surely, I kind of just said, right, okay, that's me finished as a player, but. If I'm honest, I found it, it difficult. You know, I found it difficult. I think it, it might have been easier if I was in a, a different club. I think at Oldham, Joe had done a fabulous job. We'd got them promoted. We were in the, the Premier League. Uh, but once we went down, I don't think there was any, how can I say, real ambition to get back up. I think they'd enjoyed their three years in the top division. Uh, so inevitably, when that happens, you know, you lose your best players. And, you know, within... When within taking over, within months of taking over, I'd like I'd lost the likes of Paul Gerard, who was a goalkeeper, Gunnar Haller went to Leeds, Richard Jobson went to Leeds, you know, Nicky Henry went to Sheffield United, so Holden, Rick Holden went as well. So all of a sudden you're left with, with, with a threadbare squad. Uh, I then, you know, approached the chairman to, to bring people in. Uh I told I was told that, you know, they'd no money to spend and I had to deal in and free transfers, uh, which is okay, fair enough. Joe done it before, but it becomes difficult when then the, the club determines that they're not going to give the players signing on fees. So there was all sorts of difficulties. And if, I, if I'm perfectly honest, and did I enjoy it? No, probably no. Uh, would I enjoy it? If maybe if they were more ambitious, maybe yeah. yeah. Uh, but listen, I think there was. I think there was faults on both sides. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying I was blameless, but I found it difficult. And obviously, the step from being a player to a manager with players that you'd you'd uh, played with, you know, all of a sudden for you to be the boss, yeah. you know, I, I found there was one or two who who didn't like that. You know, it was one or two others who who had went for the job themselves and never got it. You know, had that attitude where, you know, I'm not sure about this. And so it was important then for me to try and. Ship them out and get people in who who I thought could do the job. Yeah, I told, yeah, I totally appreciate that. With with my mm-hmm. role in the in the military, we, we yeah. sort of elements that where, where people have overlooked the promotion and, and other mm-hmm. people other people get the job, and it's it's how you deal yeah. with that. I suppose it's it's, it's hard, you know. And, and listen, well, you, you don't you don't like it, you know. You just got to go on with it. And I remember having to pull some of them in and said, Lee, listen, I know you went for the job, you know. Unfortunately, you never got it. I got it now, so. We can go, go both ways. You can either come on board with me, you know, which would, would be great, you know, because I respect you as a player and I think you can do a job. But if, if you can't accept it, on you go. You know, you walk out the door. It's as simple as that. There's no hard feelings for me, but I need people who, who are on side with me. So, listen, it was difficult. We had some good good times and good results, uh, but inevitably it, it came and it was always going to be the case. We got one situation. We had a board meeting at Boundary Park and... Uh, we had a meeting and they weren't happy with things and they were discussing, you know, into the new season, you know, all the players had kind of left. I was struggling to bring players in. So we had a, a, a fans forum, <laughs> funny yeah. enough, uh, locally just down the road from the ground in the social club. So I said, right, okay, we had the board meeting. I said, right, okay, you haven't got any money to spend. You know, we're ambition isn't to take back up, but, you know, if we're going to bring the youngsters through, fine. Right, that's fine. Let's go to, to the, the fans forum. And tell them, 
Yeah. No, 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 we can't tell them that. We've got to say we're going for a promotion. We need to get people through the gates. <laughs> and I just looked at them as if to say, what chance have we got? You know, what chance have we got? And they, they, they tried to, to bring the young players through, which is great. But as I said then and I say it now, the young players have got to be good enough. And they have to show you that they can do it. And it's very rarely you get the young players coming through. They need time. But just unfortunately, there, there, there wasn't that time. And, you know, as you can see by now, the problems they've had. And it's sad to see them uh, the way they are at this moment in time. But, you know, to go right back to the, what you said before, Jazz, did I, did I like it? Like some parts of it, but overall I'd have to say no. OK, fair one. Um, so, so then you, you, you also came back to Everton then in the, the, the fan liaison officer role. Um, how, yeah. How, how, how did that come about? That was, that was so funny because obviously I'd, I'd finished uh, with Oldham and then there was obviously some media work uh the Radio City wanted me back uh, to do, uh, obviously, the games for Everton and everything else, uh, which I was interested in doing. Uh, and I started doing that. And then uh, Alan Myers, who was a, a lead, uh, PR manager, the press yeah. manager at the time, said, uh, oh, we've got Joe Parkinson in at the moment, but he's thinking of chucking it. Who do you think we could get to replace him? Any ideas? <laughs> and I said, I'll do it. And he went, no, you wouldn't do it, would you? I said, yeah, I'd do it. I said, it's not a problem. I said, I'd, I'd enjoy coming back to work for the football club. Didn't matter in what capacity. And he said, really? And I said, really? So he, he went to, to, to Bill, to the chairman, and said, listen, Sharpie would, would do it. And Bill, the same reaction from Bill, no, he wouldn't do it. You're joking, Bill. So basically, he came back to me and said, yeah, I'd do it. And you know what I had to do at that time? It was basically answering all the mail that came in. Yeah. You know, from supporters with regard to the charities and and what and things, and obviously uh, people less fortunate than themselves. You know, people who were having illnesses, kids wanted to come to games and everything else. So it was good. It was it was it was nice to get back in. Yeah. Uh, but then, as as most things happen, as you know yourself, it, it expands and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the club grew as well and into the the Premier League and and pushing on. So we used to get swamped you know, with requests and everything else. And then, you know, slowly but surely different things arose, you know, that, that I was doing within the club, you know, you know, on a match day and whatever. So it started all those years ago. And on my 40th birthday, I actually started back at Everton. Oh, was it? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I hope you got a cake. <laughs> uh, I won't tell you how many years I've been there, put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> Cool. Um, so um, that was a similar time to when the, the Everton fans forum got established. Did you, did yeah. you ever do any work with, with us? Or yeah, I, did. I, used, I used to cheer them. I used to cheer the meetings. Yeah. Uh, and listen, they, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, they, they were good, some really good uh, input. But it came to, to one stage where I thought, oh, I can't, I don't know if I can go any further with this. Because yeah. we had a, a complaint that the pies weren't hot enough at half time. <laughs> And I just went, really? I went, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'll make sure I put that forward to the to the the catering side of things. And I just said to, to somebody, I said, I don't know if I can do that anymore. It says, I think it's good, and I think that they're great people and all that. I says, but I'm not I'm not taking two hours out of my, my time at night or after work to to listen to the pies weren't warm enough or something. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. But I basically said mm, maybe it just and listen, don't get me wrong. And, People pay for the, the season tickets and everything else, and they expect the best. And I, and I, I fully accept that. And that's why I, I think now 
I think that we should be in terms of standards the top of the tree, and I think we're getting there. I think Denise has done some fantastic work, you know, to in all areas of the, of the business to get us to the best that we can be. And I think that's the, the thing that first struck me when I came to Everton. It was all about standards, and, and you had to be the best. Uh, and that's what, you know, the, the fans forum does as well. They need to put their ideas across, and, and anything that's a, for everybody, it's for the benefit of the football club in the long term. Yeah, that's that, that's totally spot on. It's everybody who who is on the forum is giving up their own time. The volunteers, yeah, it is always always about the betterment of the, of the football club and and, yeah, the, the, and the, the community efforts as well. Yeah, exactly, Jazz. And listen, people come up with ideas, and you, you won't necessarily agree with them. You go, oh, no, I'm not sure about that kind of thing. But it's an idea, and that's what they think. So I think it's important that you have to to listen to what everybody says. You might not agree with it, but you might just come up with a, with a nugget and you go, right, okay, fair enough. And I think the, the the fans forum over the last few years, certainly what I've seen, is is improved immeasurably. You know, and the things that they've done uh, in and around the stadium at Goodison especially uh, has been fantastic. And I think that's what supporters want to see. I think when the, it, it first was, uh, how can I say, we put into operation, right away you got all the negatives of you, negatives of, uh, from everybody else. Oh, it's this, they're only doing this for the club, blah, blah, blah. But I think long term, it's shown that you know it's an important tool for us as well. Yeah, I, I like to think so, and it's certainly mm. the, the engagement side, like with with the fans, is is an area that we're, we're really looking to sort of. Absolutely, progress. I think when you look at all the, the, and I know it's not for you do it for awards and everything else, but I think when you look at all the feedback from the Premier League, how high we are in every category, it tells you that that everybody is working together. I don't think that was always the case at the football club, but I think over the last. So many years, I think there's been more of a, a unity in, in, in different factions, and I think that's most important. Yeah. So, so from your role in Fan Liaison, um, you, you then became um, an official club ambassador. Um, do you think yeah. that was a natural progression? Uh, I would like to think so. I, listen, the Fans Liaison officer was good, and, and, and things don't get me wrong, but I think, you know, when it, when it came to it, uh, and again, it was another step the club were taking, and and I'd been associated with the football club for so long, 11 years as a player. And as I says, uh, I joined the club again when I was 40. So I'm now nearly 60. So, you know, it's 31 years, 32 years. So, say maybe, I don't know, seven years. A long time, 35 years. So, I mean, actual progression. I was involved a lot with Chang, who yeah. were the, the sponsors at the time. And obviously, were, were excellent in terms of what they'd done in terms of football in Thailand, uh, so we had opportunities to go over to Thailand. It was a case of going over and representing the football club in, 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 in terms of Chang and the dealings with Chang. Uh, we used to do like soccer schools out there, uh, different things. We had the Everton Village that was set up after the tsunami, so involved with that as well. And we had a great relationship with Chang and the people at Chang. So uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, obviously, Sport Pesa have come in now and you know, the sending, but they came in as well and it meant trips and representing the club, going to, to, to looking after them as well when they came over here. Don't get me wrong, uh, the Thai kids used to come over here every summer. It was a case of looking after them and, and uh, getting games for them against the academy teams and everything else. So I really enjoyed that, working with, with different people. And obviously at this moment in time, we've got more sponsors than we've ever had yeah. uh, throughout the club. So I think the role is is increased now as well. And, you know, I, I enjoy that side of it. You know, I, I enjoy meeting different people. We speak to the people from 
from Angry Birds, who are, who are really nice guys from, you know, from Finland. Uh, so we, we built, we're building up relationships. So that, that's the most important thing. And I think uh, if I've got a part to play that and representing the, the football club, having been here for so many years as a player and and, and other roles, and obviously, you know, when you look at the, the times I played for the football club and the goals and everything else, people say it's deserving. I'm just delighted to be back and I'm delighted to be involved again. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that for me, you know, Football club's a massive part and has been a massive part of my life, and it's it's something I, I really really enjoy. Yeah, and I think that everyone's proud of of, of yourself, the the time you spent mm. with the club, and and I mean it's mm. you, you're part of one of our most successful teams, and, and I mean I, I don't think anybody would question your role as an ambassador. Yeah, Jazz, I think listen, people always always judge. At the end of the day, I, I always say to people that listen, I was very very fortunate. I always say to young kids as well, they're trying to break in. You know, to so you've got to have a lot of things, you know, to 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 be a footballer and to make it. And one of them is luck. You know, I had opportunities and where I could have moved away from Everton, but I, I didn't, and I, I stuck at it. And you know, it's been a big, big part of my life, as uh, my family's life as well. And it's just something that, you know, when you when you're there eleven years as a player and you know nearly forty years, you know, serving the club, it's got to mean something to you. Yeah, you know, it so it's, it's it's really good to be to be back involved and and seeing a different. How can I say a different uh, road the club are going down now? You know, in terms of the, the new stadium and uh, obviously they're moving into Liver Building and Mr. Mashiri. Uh, so it's, it's it's exciting times, and I'm glad that this moment in time I'm part of it. Cool. And so so now you you're actually the, the players like president. Um, so so what yeah. exactly does does that involve? <laughs> well, I think when I think when it was. It was it was first announced. I'd known about it for for a while, and I'd known about it from October the, last year. The talk, but obviously there was more important things, you know, in terms of, of of managerial appointments and everything. So it was put in the back burner, which is quite rightly so. Uh, let's get the, that side of the business sorted first with a new manager and everything else. So I knew about it, and then obviously when it was announced, I think it was an AGM. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, people were were thinking different things about who was coming in and who was doing this and what was doing that. And basically it was just an extension to what I'm doing, you know, and, you know, people seem to think I'd be sitting in in board meetings and, and doing this and, and advising them on players. Not at all. It's not It's not really changed much. It's just a case of, you know, I'm in the boardroom, at, you know, and, and most weekends. Uh, and I think it's just a to be a sounding board, it's just to talk about football. Yeah. I don't think they need any any direction. I think the guy, uh, you know, Fahad and, and Bill and, and Denise uh, are all, you know, more than capable of doing what they do. But, you know, it's just there is, I'm in there again and I'm representing the football club. Obviously, I'm, I'm dealing with the uh, opposition, you know, directors and guests and everything else. And it, it's just, again, I think it's another figurehead. Yeah. Role. And, uh, but certainly I'm there, and obviously I speak to Marcel. You know, Marcel is a is a lovely guy, and I'm sure if he he needed any any help or any advice or any uh, what I thought or something, he would ask me, and I think vice versa. You know, so I think he's Marcel's always very welcoming. You know, I think it's sometimes, and it's a hard thing to say. Sometimes with certain managers, you you don't know if you're kind of welcome to go up to Finch Farm. Uh, but that certainly isn't the case. For you know, since Marcel's been here, he's 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 wanting ex-players to come in and around the place and 
and kind of just give everybody that feel of what it's like to, to play for Everton and be involved at Everton. You know, a lot of managers were a bit fearful, which was strange. Uh, but listen, I'm, I'm one of those guys who I, I feel always when I go up to Finch Farm, I think I really shouldn't be here because I've, I've had my time, you know, I've been in the training. I don't really need to be there, but obviously needs must at times. So we've still got a lot of things to do up at Finch Farm in terms of the charity side of things and bringing, you know, kids in and, and meeting the players and everything else. So I'm still involved in that. So, you know, the, the, the more I get up to Finch Farm, you know, you want to feel that you're welcome up there. And that's certainly the case now under under the new regime. That's good to hear. Um, so with the, um, the the current situation with, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we've had to mm-hmm. change the way we do business in, on a lot of fronts. Um, how how have yeah. you found um, interacting with the fans through these Blue Family calls? Well, that's unbelievable. But listen, let me tell you, when, when it was first mooted and I thought, Oh wow, that's difficult. And you know how how are we going to phone? Like we've I've, I've had some really tough ones where you know I'm talking about people having buried relatives of, and yeah. you know not just one but two or three. And you know you're thinking terrible. Wow, but the more the more and more you think about it, and you think to yourself, it's nothing for us to go out and phone. That's nothing. You know, you just give them a little bit of comfort. Uh, I spoke to a guy last night in, in the States who unfortunately lost his, his father and he was over there and, and trying to organise funerals and everything else. So it brings it really closer to home. You know, yeah. we hear about it, we look about it in the, uh, in the, the television and the newspapers and the, uh, and everything else and your iPad and you're thinking, wow, but it's nice to talk to people on the front line as well. I spoke to many policemen, nurses, whatever, just as to reiterate what everybody's saying, and that's saying you're doing a fabulous job. Keep it up. Keep stay. Keep safe. Stay well. Uh, so it's it, it's good. It's, it, it was hard to start with uh, because you honestly don't know what what you're going to get on the other end of the phone. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that the, the majority and the, the vast majority have been very very grateful. You know, I've, I've phoned people in Ireland, the states, everywhere else, and you know, obviously, summer. You phone at times, and some go very like quiet, and you think, "Oh, this is going to be strong." Yeah. And then it shoots doing all the talking, and then they come on and say, "Oh, I thought it was a wind up." <laughs> is it really Graham Sharp? I said, "Yes." Yeah, oh, I thought my mate was winding me up and all that. And you're thinking, "No." So you go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. But no, it's it, it's important, you know. And I know people bang on about it in the family club and the people's club and all that, but. I think that's part and parcel of what we are, you know, and I'd have to say that the response that we've got from everybody that we've spoken to has been incredible and how, how grateful they are that, what are you phoning me for? Why? What, what's happening kind of thing? Oh, really, really pleased about that. And then they go back and regale you about all their stories and the, the favourite players and everything else. So it's, it's, it's very rewarding for us to do it, but as, as long as we're given a a little bit of sunshine in their lives at a difficult time. That's the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it certainly seems to be an initiative that, that's getting applauded everywhere. You know what I mean? All yeah. the clubs are potentially copying and all sorts. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah, I think, another success. Yeah, again, that's, that's, a, that's another thing. You know, and we don't, I'm not just saying, we don't do it for publicity. We don't do it, you know, for that. We, we know what we are. We know what we're doing. Uh, we don't we don't need to be in the back. It'd be nice to get a little bit of recognition. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what we're doing it for. 
we're doing it for the fact that we've got to look after our own. We've said it all along. We look at the, the new stadium plans and, and what's going to be happening in the, the site of Goodison. You know, so we've, we've got a massive part to play in the community. And that's that's what we're doing with, it, with this, uh, with the phone calls as well. Cool. Um, just to, to bring it back into sort of the football sphere, um, so the, the big mm-hmm. change this year has been VAR. Um, so have you got any thoughts oh. on the Tuesday season? How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Listen, at the beginning, everybody was saying that it was going to come in and it was going to help. Uh, and I know we're in the first year of it, but I think it's been a hindrance more than a help. Uh, yeah. pe- people say it's getting better. I don't see how it's getting better. Uh I think the one rule that's been brought in recently is the one is the cameras for the goal line technology. Yeah, I think that's worked. I think that's great the way it works. But I just think this at this moment in time is just it's not working. It's simply yeah. not working. And I look at some of the decisions. And okay, you're going to be a little bit biased towards Everton, but some of the decisions we've had, you know, the Michael Keane one at Brighton, which changes yeah, the whole game and and different ones. And you're thinking, wow. And then it goes down to the to the, we were in a. I was from an age where you always favoured the attacking team. Listen, if you were offside, you were offside, and that's yeah. simple as that. But, but now there's so many really, really close decisions that are taking ages to to decide on. Uh, it just wastes for me. It wastes football. It wastes the what football was all about. Celebrating a goal can't celebrate a goal now until you see that saying going up. Yeah. VR, you know, and I, and I just think it takes away what was what football was about, you know, and I just think waiting for decisions uh, when it's like millimeters, yeah. whether it's his arm or his nose or whatever, and, and chopping goals off, I think it's wrong. I honestly do. I think the easiest way to do it, and I'm not just for me personally, the easiest way to do it uh, is if there is a a, a contentious decision. Let the referee on his own go over to a monitor, look at the monitor, have somebody in his ear maybe, and then make him make the decision. That's exactly I don't think right you thing. can have I don't think you can have three or four people who are sitting three hundred miles away in a studio who don't know what the atmosphere and, and what the game is like in terms of what is going on in the game, in terms of you no know, frustration of players and everything else to sit there and make decisions which will change the game. The referee is a referee on the pitch. He should make the decisions. Nothing's changed for that for me. No, linesmen in our day got decisions wrong. You got on with it. People now say, oh, but it's more important now because of money and everything else. Of course, we're trying to make it easier for everybody. And the referees have got a hard job. I know that. I know that thing well. But I think you should not take the refereeing of a game off the referee and give it to umpteen fellas sitting 300 miles away to make decisions. The final decision should be made by the referee on the pitch at the game. If it takes him one minute to go over, two minutes to have a look at the, the monitor and make his own decision, so be it. But I don't think people should be making decisions who are sitting 300 miles away. I, I, I totally agree. I'd, in fact, I'd, I'd take it one further and say mm-hmm. when he's watching it, everything looks deliberate by frame by frame. So once yeah. he's had a look at frame by frame, watch it in real time for the last mm-hmm. thing he does before he makes the call. And at least yeah. that way, as you say, the referee, the on-field referee has got ownership of it and he's seen yeah. it in the context of how it happened. 
but the thing the thing is, Jazz, as well, is when I, when I watch it, and then you know, listen, it's, it's it's people's opinion and what happened at the time. But sometimes you've seen penalties given for for no contact or yeah. you know handball when it the blatant handball and they don't give it, and you're thinking. Where's, where's the game going? What, what, what's going on there? You know, there's been handball incidents where <coughs> there have been definitely handballs and there should be penalties. Exactly. But they haven't given them. <laughs> they haven't given them. Yeah. And they, you go, what do they see there? Why has the game changed so much? And I just think, listen, I know they've got a hard job, but I just think that the guidance they're getting is, is not for me. I don't think... Has it improved the Premier League? Not a jot. It has not improved the Premier League. The one thing that has improved the Premier League is the goal line technology, and that is 100% a success. Yeah. What's happened now, and I know they say, give it time, it'll get better. Wow, how much time do we give it? You know, and I'd, I'd like to think, I know we've got more important things that you know we're, we're dealing with at this moment in time, but if the Premier League referees and the, the committees and all that are not doing anything, they should be getting to the bottom of trying to make this work, and at the moment it's not. Yeah, totally agree. Um, just to sort of to finish off this um, this this chat, mm-hmm. um, I'd just like to bring it back to a few Everton memories. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I'd just like to know what your your favourite Everton memory is. Oh wow, uh, wow. Uh, well, I always say this, and <coughs> listen. Obviously, the best thing is, is signing for the football club, and the, the, and that was like the best thing that happened to me. Yeah. Uh, coming down, the best thing. Was probably being involved in a team that was developed. You know, it's not like coming into a team. I I never came down to a club that was winning things and automatically just fitting in. And I came down to a club that was, you know, just in a bit of, not to say turmoil, but was changing. Gordon Lee, you know, got sacked shortly after he signed me. Howard took over. Then it was just the kind of the whole. Evolution of that that time under Howard, where the younger players got a chance eventually, and we broke into it and got a team spirit going, and just it was on. But on a, uh, it was like a uh, snowball going down the hill, you know, yeah. just coming getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think the best thing, possibly out of all that, and for all the games we won and everything else, we'd seen the first trophy. I think that you win, yeah, as a player. I know when you're a kid and you you win things, you. You're, you're joyous when that happens and you win school competitions and amateur football kind of thing. But I think <laughs> that's that level. <laughs> first, yeah, well, I think your first trophy is is a footballer, is a, is a professional footballer, is the most important one. And I think the, the FA Cup final, and you know, I was fortunate enough to play in four of them, but you know, the first one and, and winning it and scoring a goal, I think that was, I think that was what made me probably the most proud. Not just for that, for myself, but for for my mum and my dad, who were both down at the final that that day, who actually saw saw me do it, and you know it was something they always remember until they they passed away, uh, and something they were extremely proud of. So I think looking back at everything I'd done, I think winning that first trophy for what it meant for me and the players and the club, but also for my parents as well to say my dad was like. Well, wow, that's why I took him all these times every every week to the games and yeah. twice a week to training kind of thing, and you know he followed me everywhere. So I think probably the first FA Cup victory, you know, against Watford was, was probably the, the one I remember most. Brilliant. And um, who who was your your best Everton teammate? 
Oh, flipping heck. Oh, you can go out on a limb and, and go oh. out. <laughs> Probably the guy I was on the phone to yesterday who FaceTimed me from Qatar. Okay. Uh, Andy. No, so, listen, it was difficult. We were, we were all friends. We were really all friendly, that group. And you, you wouldn't believe, which, as you know, being in the forces as well, you know how friendships are, yeah. are bonded. Uh, and that was the same there, you know. Uh, but we're all we're all friends. But I think if you look at it, even now, you know, Andy was on the phone to me yesterday, FaceTiming me with Reedy and, and Inchi. Yeah, you know, so they were they were probably they were probably the ones, and they were pro- and and obviously Rats as well. They're probably the ones that I, I see and speak to most nowadays. Uh, but at that time, when Andy came down, and Andy was, and he hated me saying that Andy was my hero as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and he used to go mad because he's like, how old do you think I am? But he, when he was at Dundee United and he moved to Villa, uh, I became an Aston Villa fan because I used, used to watch him on the tele- when I was in Scotland, used to watch him on the television, scoring all these goals, headers, being brave, playing for Scotland, everything else. And you know, So when he came to join us, I thought, wow. And to share a dressing room with him and, and be friendly off the field as well, you know, he, he sometimes... You know, look at me, he moved for a lot of money and he came to the club and you thought, oh, is he going to not be what I want him to be kind of thing? Is he going to be big-headed? Is he going to be like, think he's better? Not at all. From the first minute he walked in the dressing room, he was brilliant. So we had a great relationship when it was a short time when he was here. Uh, Andy lived in Formby, I lived in, in Ainsdale. Uh, we travelled in at times t- together. Our, our, our wives uh, were friendly. Uh, they got on off the field as well. So probably Andy from around about that time was probably a big influence in my career, you know, on and off the field. Cool. Um, and one one last question to sort of draw it draw it together. What's your funniest no funniest Everton story? Funniest Everton story. Oh wow! How long have you got? <laughs> uh, funniest Everton story. Uh, probably, and people don't people don't believe this, but this is so true. Uh, when we when we used to be at Belfield, Belfield was was a lot smaller than what Finch Farm was. And once we finished training, we used to go upstairs, and the canteen was there. And uh, to get to the manager's office, you had to walk through the canteen, past the kitchen, down the manager's office. So we we're in there one day and uh, having a cheese and toast. Uh, and somebody comes out and says, "Bills, the manager wants to see." So Bills like that what? So he gets up and he walks through the canteen and he goes into the manager's office. So nobody's thinking anything about it. Uh, so he's in, he must be in there for about 35, 40 minutes. So I'm thinking, it's a bit long in there, but they haven't done it. So he comes out and he's rubbing his hands and says, go on then, what's, what's happened? He went, fantastic, fantastic. What do you mean, fantastic? He said, oh, bro, I'm made up, I'm delighted. What has happened? <laughs> so he said, I think we were thinking he's got a new contract or yeah. something. Or, well, and he said, uh, Howard's just given me a free transfer. And we went, what? <laughs> oh, he's given me a free transfer, bro. And we're like, free transfer means he's bombed you out and he's letting you go for nothing. He went, yeah, 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 I know that, he said, but he sorted me out with a club in, in South Africa. And we're like, a club in South Africa? What he said? He said, oh, fantastic. He says, free flights over for the family. I've got a car. I've got everything I'm getting, £700 a week. You know, absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted he's brilliant, Howard. So Kevin Ratcliffe went, Bill, South Africa. And he went, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. He went, but what about apartheid? And he went, 
Oh, he sorted that out as well. Two bedroom at his own swimming pool. <laughs> and we just looked at him and went, really? He didn't have a clue fantastic. about apartheid. So we're all sitting there, Rats just hit him with that. What about apartheid? And he went, yeah, that as well. Two bedroom, no swimming pool. <laughs> Everything sorted. So we just went, all right, okay, fair enough, Bills. So that was one of the one jazz that just comes up to me now. Perfect. Again. Graham, um, thanks very much for, for giving up a bit of your day to, to No problem, pal. Really no problem. I'll just have to go back in the gym now. Yeah, do it. Get a sweat. Yeah. Cool. Stay safe, Graham. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, pal. Speak to you later. Huge thanks to Graham uh, for giving up his time. It's a uh, challenging time. Uh, to come on the on the podcast um, and incredibly insightful uh, to hear all the work that you've been doing, Sharpie. Um, obviously, uh, a club legend on the pitch and since you've hung up your boot, it's clear how committed you have been to Everton Football Club and continue to be. Um, we said on the first episodes that we were going to see out every um, episode with the fans' voices because the fans' voices are what is important to this football club. Everton is the fans. And the fans are Everton. Um, so Matt saw us out in the first part. Today we've got Jeff Hughes, who's at JeffGen77 on Twitter, version of Octopus's Garden. Um, make sure you come back for episode two. And over to you, Jeff, and your capable hands. I'd like to be by the Mersey at the Bramley Moor Stadium with the blue. He banged him in, Calvert-Lewin, at the Bramley Moor Stadium with the blues. Tucked by my friends, we'd sing and shout, while Bernard turns the Reds inside out. I'd like to be by the Mersey in a Bramley Moor Stadium with the blues. I'd like to see a couple, three, and a year when the Blue Boys win the league. Goals galore and a winning score in a Bramley Moore Stadium with the Blues. Marcel and Carlo bring the good times back. Big dunk hugging ball boys and giving it back. I'd like to be by the Mersey. In a brand new Moore Stadium with the Blues.